Hey church, again, really excited to have you. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you through digital or in person yet, uh, my name is Tanner Bezet, and I'm excited to be hanging with you guys today. We're about to hear a really good word from Matt Mosler, our Pine Bluff campus pastor. This man is funny. He knows the word. And so you're going to want to lean in. I know we can't see you taking notes, but God is watching. All right. So pull out your notepad, take some notes. You're going to be able to use this. It's going to help you starting today. But before we listen to that word, we're about to go into a time of worship. I just wanted to tell you guys a quick story that I love really fast from the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 23. Uh, King David, one of my favorite characters in the entire Bible, who was going to be the anointed and appointed king of Israel, the second king of Israel. He's actually on the run from the current king, King Saul, who was corrupt, who was evil, trying to kill him in fear that David was going to become the king. So as Saul and his men are getting closer to David and his little fleet of men, David can see them coming and he is so afraid and so terrified. And at the very last moment, right before he thinks this could be the end for me, he remembers the faith that he had in God from the beginning. He remembers the promise God gave to him and God actually creates a diversion and Saul has to go the opposite direction, allowing David to flee. And I think there's so many parallels in the story for our life. Sometimes we're going through what seems like the end. Like when is this storm ever gonna stop? When am I ever gonna be free? When is my kid ever gonna come back to Jesus? And I think sometimes we're like, God, how come you're not saving me right now? Well, I'll also go back to a scripture that I, I found in Psalm uh, chapter 121, verse five, that says, the Lord is our keeper. And that everything we go through, we go through for a reason, to test our faith, to grow our faith. And God strengthens us in those seasons. You see, David in that season, he decided to lean on the Father and actually wrote half the book of Psalms through worship. And I think David understood this, and here's what I want you guys to understand today as we worship as well. When we worship, it doesn't make us stronger. But when we worship, it reminds us of how strong our God is and he can do anything. So let's remember that today as we worship. It's all about him. Let's raise up his name, the name above every other name, Jesus Christ. No. 
Well, hey, everybody. Great to be with you guys. Actually, it's great to be home. Um, Camille and I just returned from a trip to Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, some of you may know my daughter. We helped her move into a new duplex. And I'm going to tell you something, man. This girl worked us like rented mules. So it's great to be home and get a little rest. But hey, we got her fixed up. So it's all good. But anyway, you know, the cool thing is she had, we had to go all the way to Nashville, Tennessee for this. And, and along the way in this trip from Arkansas to Nashville, we listened to podcasts. Y'all do that? Yeah, listen to podcast. It makes the trip go so much faster. But is it bad that uh, we like to listen to those true crime podcasts? You know, the ones with the murders and the mysteries and the mayhem? I mean, look, sorry, Lord. I tell myself it's just sermon prep, okay? I need good illustrations. I need to know the seedier side of life. And you make up your own excuse. Anyway, we love these things. But have you heard the one, or those rather, there's a bunch of them, where this... This woman finds out that the guy she's in love with, who she's been with for months at a time, who's also a mass murderer, is like married to like half a dozen other women. How do you not know that? How do you not smell the smoke of a distant fire? Anyway, like the girl never gets to meet his parents. He works out of town an awful lot. It just, in retrospect, it just seems so easy to spot. But it's not, is it? Anyone ever been deceived out there? You found out it was cubic zirconia, not a diamond, right? Okay. Anyone ever ignored the red flags? Anyone ever start out just kind of dipping your toe in the water and the next thing you know, you're in over your head? Well, that's what deception is all about. It looks and it feels so right until it's not. And it can happen to anyone. L-O-L-A Lola, right? It can even happen to the wisest man on earth. And this is why Solomon prayed in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8, for God to keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion. So today we're going to learn how to get some protection against deception, how to make sure that it stays far away from you. So what I want you to do is open up your Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 2, or if you got your phone, it's in Colossians and get your pens ready because look, this is some good stuff we're about to get into. Information that I know will bless you in your walk with the Lord and it may also keep you from making a big mistake. Okay, so Colossians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. You ready? All right, look at this. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. Sounds like Paul is worried. Well, I wonder what he's worried about. Look at this. I want them, those who have never heard him, to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In other words, Paul wants his church united and hopeful and constantly in pursuit of God's will for their lives, constantly in pursuit of Christ. Because as he says in verse 3 of chapter 2, it's only in Christ that we find, listen to this, hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Get yourself some of that, man. Everything you want or need, the purpose and plan for your life is found in Christ. Everything. How many things? Everything. Christ is all we need. Paul knows this church knows that. I, I know you know this, and yet he's worried. Why? Well, now look at verse 4. He says, I'm telling you this. I'm telling you to pursue Christ so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Whoa. Paul is worried that as great as the church is doing, and they were a 
very good church. They had faith in the Lord. Their faith was overflowing into love and service for their community. They had hope, not just temporally, but eternally. They were a great church. But if they're not careful, Paul says, if they drop their guard, if they drift away from the truth, if they get comfortable with the culture, they're going to be led astray by stories and traditions and rituals and deceptions that tickle their ears, but leave them wanting and empty and hopeless. And, you know, the more I thought about it, I was kind of looking, trying to find an illustration for this. And the more I thought about it, the more it sounded like turkey hunting. Now, I know many of you have never turkey hunted. You don't know anything about turkey hunting. You don't even want to get involved in turkey hunting. But let me give you the cliffs notes, the 411 about how all of this works. And I think it's going to help you understand why this came to mind. Okay. Typically during turkey mating season, the male turkey or the tom is going to gobble. And the females will come to the sound of that gobble and they make this clucking sound as they come, right? When the tom actually sees, actually lays eyes on the females, then and only then will he fly down from his tree, fly down from that roost and hook a brother up, right? But during turkey season, that quafty hunter will cluck like a sexy female. And that old tom, that old Tom who spent the entire season doing things the right way and he's already successfully made it, he will hear that cluck and he will ignore all of his teaching, all of his tradition, all of his better instincts and everything his mother told him never to do just so he can get one last something something before the season is over. So even though he can't see the female, he flies down from the safety of his tree and chases after the sound, the idea, the fantasy, the temptation, and boom, he's Thanksgiving. All right, now, don't think this doesn't happen to humans too, because you know it does. I mean, how many times have you ever said, that was so stupid. I wish I'd never done that. I knew better than that. But she was pretty, or he was charming. But they said it was guaranteed. I know better, but they promised it wouldn't happen. I know better, but they said it wouldn't hurt. It was supposed to be better. This is why people invest in Ponzi schemes. They know better. This is why people have affairs. They know better. This is why people leave the church and join cults and get us all astray. They know better. And most of the time when we ignore what our mama told us, it just... It just leaves us with a scratch or a little embarrassment or a social media trail. But sometimes giving in to temptation can have significant, even eternal consequences. And this is what has Paul so worried about his church. Because he knows it is Satan's job to steal, kill, and destroy the good work that God has planned for you. This is why he warns us in verse 8 to see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, that no one tricks you with their turkey call. According to the tradition of men, he says, according to the, watch this, elementary principles of the world, and they are elementary, rather than according to Christ. Paul wants us to have protection from deception. So how do we do that? Well, the first thing he tells us beginning in verse 9 is this. We need to build a relationship with Jesus. Look at this, actually verse six. Colossians two, verse six. He says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so also walk in him. Now the Greek word for receive there is paralambano, and it means to accept 
or acknowledge one to be who they say they are than to be willingly joined or associated with them. In other words, the Bible says Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And receiving him means you're going to join his team, be a part of his crew, but clearly understand what the word Lord means. The Greek word is kyrios. It means supreme in authority, controller, master. And if Jesus is your Lord, if he is your master, if he is supreme in authority in your life, if you belong to him, then Paul says, all right, walk in him, live in him, dwell in him, abide in him, and allow him to abide in you. And one way to protect ourselves from deception is to grow in our relationship with Christ, to get so hooked up with the good stuff, you don't even want the bad stuff. But understand, Satan doesn't want that. So he's going to pull out all the stops to keep you from building that relationship, which is why step number two is you don't just have to build a foundation. You got to build a house with Jesus. You need to, if you're going to ask him to, into your life, you need to build a place for him to abide. And Paul's talking about building a life for Jesus. Look at this. He says in verse six and seven, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. We'll get to that in a minute. But building a life that glorifies God, a life where people can see Jesus living in you and through you, a life that is so deep and rich and fruitful that, that you're not even tempted to take shortcuts or compromises, a life that can see through any deception the enemy throws our way. Now, how do you do that? Well, Solomon told us in Proverbs 12, 7, that the wicked are overflown and they are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. But folks, you can't build a strong, righteous house that will stand against the storms until you first dig a deep foundation. We got to dig a deep foundation. Paul says to be firmly rooted. Now, I don't know about where you are, but last spring, we had some pretty good storms that rumbled through Pine Bluff, and we had lots of trees that hit the ground. And and one of the curious things that happened was many, if not most of these trees that were down were hardwoods, like oak trees, right? There were several pine trees that were down, which was expected, but I was, I was so surprised at the oaks, right? Until I considered that Pine Bluff has a very low elevation and a very high water table. So that tree doesn't have to go down very deep to find water. And typically hardwoods, like an oak tree, will send down a taproot to find water. And sometimes that taproot will go down dozens, if not hundreds of feet. And that provides an anchor against the big storms. And because oak trees are, well, they're not very flexible. They need to have a good anchor. They don't give much. They need that anchor because unlike pine trees, they don't bend with the wind. Pine trees don't send down deep taproots. Their roots spread out. So their defense against the wind is their flexibility, not their foundation. So if your foundation is not very deep, and if you're not willing to bend your will to the will of something greater than you, then when those storms come, and they will come, you're going to fall. And great will be that fall. And Paul says, if Jesus is our Lord, we don't need to, we need to live in him. Our taproot needs to go down deep into that living water and let it rise up and fill us up to overflowing. We need to be firmly rooted in him because not only does he provide life and provide it abundantly, but we want to soak up as much of that life as we can. But also, we need to be aware that when we are firmly rooted in Him, when we make Jesus Christ our Lord, we're going to make ourselves an enemy of the world. And you better believe that Satan's going to do everything he can to keep you from becoming everything God created you to be, to keep you from, from building that taproot down deep, from being firmly rooted and, and protected from the storms that he wants to throw your way. 
So how do you get firmly rooted? How do you get that tap root to go down deep? What's the fertilizer? Well, first thing is you got to read his word. All right. Not just read it, but study it, man, and meditate on it and spend some time in there. You also need to spend time with God. You got to pray without ceasing, develop a, a relationship with your father and talk to him as much as you can every day. And then the third thing, and something I think is probably more important is you got to surround yourself with godly people, mentors and counselors who will help you get in your word and get in prayer. We got to build a deep foundation, but not just build that foundation. We have to build up, not just lay the foundation, but we got to build upon that solid foundation. Let me tell you something. There's this building I read about recently in San Francisco. It's called the Millennium Tower. I think I got a picture of it somewhere. Mary, okay. It's a 58-story skyscraper. Beautiful building. It's, it's the big shiny one on the left here. Now, the problem is this building has sunk down 17 inches and tilted 14 inches since it was completed in 2008. The reason? Well, the builders only dug down 80 feet into the packed sand as opposed to 200 feet into the bedrock. And folks, if we want to build up, we got to dig down because the deeper you dig, the higher you'll go. And the deeper you are and the firmer your foundation, the more God is able to add brick after brick after brick and build you up and expand your kingdom and enlarge your influence. And that should be the goal to grow and expand and become more influential for Christ, to be salt and light to a dark and tasteless world. In fact, Jesus said in the parable of the talents that if we are faithful with a few things, he's going to put us in charge over much. And this is also why Paul keeps pressing on, because he knows the deeper he grows, the more God keeps putting in his pathway. But here's the thing. This is where we got to be careful because it's a... It, it's appealing to grow tall and be put in charge of a lot of stuff, but this is also when the enemy gets sneaky and starts appealing to our pride and our opinion. And without a deep foundation in the Word, without a deep relationship with the Lord, without deep friendships around us, our building is just not going to stand. And this is why the Apostle Peter, who knew a little something about pride, said we got to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt us in due time. If we do the work people can't see, God will trust us with the things they can't see. And if Jesus is our Lord, we must be firmly rooted. We must be built up in Him. But also we got to put our faith and trust in the architect. Listen, if you've ever, if you've ever seen a building going up, sometimes it's really hard to tell what these guys are putting together until it begins to take shape. And Proverbs tells us to put our trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. And that's, man, that is so good because honestly, sometimes I just have no idea what God is trying to build in me. This is why Paul says we need to be established in our faith. Now, what does that mean? Well, first, what is faith? Well, faith is believing that God is who he says he is and trusting he will do what he says he will do. And the only way to trust God, folks, is to trust God. Because faith is a muscle that needs to be exercised. You gotta work that thing. And as you grow deep, God will present opportunities for you to be built up. But you're gonna be scared to accept those responsibilities because they're just gonna be so way beyond what you could ask or think. And that's exactly where God wants us. It's like Peter and the disciples in the midst of that storm in Matthew 14. God is calling a lot of us out of the boat so far that failure is guaranteed. There's no way we can accomplish what God has called us to accomplish unless we depend on Him. So He can do it 
through us. And this is what Paul means in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. Watch this. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Not when I am weak, he is strong. When I am weak, I am strong because he can be strong through me. One building block, one small step of faith leads to a larger step of faith. And the next thing you know, you're out there walking under water, man. It's like David in 1 Samuel 17 saying, I killed the lion, I killed the bear. I could take down this uncircumcised Philistine giant. Just let me at him. All right, so listen, here's the good part. As you dig down deep and you build up and you step out, you know what's going to be reflected in you? The joy of the Lord. This is what Paul means when he says our walk with him should be overflowing with gratitude, which is the last thing I want to share with you. Have some fun with what God is building. Y'all walking with the Lord, it should be a strut, man. It should be a holy swagger because as your taproot goes down deep and your building grows up tall and your faith grows out wide, we're going to be filled with this overwhelming sense of gratitude and humility. So rejoice, laugh, smile, have fun because God has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He has blessed us coming in and going out. He has made us the head and not the tail, the lender, not the borrower, the above and not the beneath. I am his and he is mine. Who can stand against that? Come on, somebody. That knowledge of him, it's just going to make you sing, even if you can't sing. It's going to make you dance and I ain't going to dance for you right now, but I can throw down. Let me tell you something. It'll make you smile. It will give you an unshakable confidence that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Now think about that. If you lived in a house like that, would you have any interest whatsoever in even entertaining the thought of being taken captive through the empty and hopeless philosophy and the empty deceit of the world? No way. But listen, I know some of you may be there right now. I know some of you might have been, you've been burned before. And some of you right now might be a little hesitant to trust anyone or anything. You got the walls put up. You got your heart guarded. You don't want to give anything to anybody, let alone give it something away to God and allow him to fill you. you it's hard to trust anything, even trust God. But the Bible says this in Proverbs 4, 6. Don't forsake wisdom. Don't forsake what's in that word because that wisdom, that word will protect you. Love her, love this word, love your relationship with God and she will watch over you. Your protection from deception can begin right now and so can your healing. Let's pray. Father, I'm speaking to the person right now that's watching this, that's been deceived somehow, some way, whether recently or in the past, and they're really struggling, Lord. They're struggling to trust anybody. They're struggling to give their heart away. They're struggling to trust you. So Father, right now, I'm asking you in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit will fill them right now with your strength and your security and your comfort and your peace and your presence to give them an opportunity to say, God, I can't do it, but I'm going to trust you to do it through me. And I promise you this, Lord, I'm going to get back into that word 
We're going to have conversations again. I'm going to seek out godly friends because I want to be everything you created me to be. And I'm going to trust you to be the light unto my path and the lamp unto my feet. I give you my life right now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. All right, let's worship.
What a strong word from Matt Mosler. And, and, and look, if you made a decision today to follow Jesus, to make him Lord of your life, we, we do want to know about that. We do want to be able to pastor you well. And so you can just text the word CONNECT, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, to 88,000 so that we can reach out to you and show you what your next steps are. Maybe you want to get water baptized at one of our locations across the state. So if you do that, that's a catch-all for us to be able to answer any questions and pray over you, anything that you may need. Text CONNECT to 88,000. As always as well, I just want to take a little second to honor God with our giving and I just want to say thank you so much for always trusting God with your finances. A verse that I go to whenever I think about giving is in Psalm 37, 4 and it says, delight in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. And I think why this scripture is so important is because many, time, many times, even though it's not true, we, we think that in order for God to love us, we have to do good things. When what the scripture is saying is love the Lord and in return, He's gonna put good things in your spirit. He's gonna give you the desire to give. He's gonna give you the desire to love others. All these things will be added unto you. So I just want you to remember that today as we give. And one more time, thank you so much. Look, because you give, we're able to pull off events all year long. And one event that we have coming up really, really soon, I mean, only in a few weeks is Collide Conference, August 6th and 7th, right here at the Conway location where I'm recording right now. We're gonna have 700, 800, 900 students in this room, all worshiping God. And so if you know of a student, or maybe you are a student between ages sixth grade, through 12th grade, go to nlccollide.tv, get signed up, it's gonna be an excellent week. But before you guys go here today, I wanna pray over you a prayer of blessing over you. I also wanna take time just to dedicate our day and the rest of our week to God by praying a prayer that my mom used to always pray over me and my sisters and even my brother as well. So uh, here we go, let's pray this prayer right now. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. I pray that you would go before us this week. We, we dedicate this week to you, oh God, Lord. You are the beginning and the end, oh Father. I, I just pray that God, everybody listening in, that God, you would give them wisdom and stature and favor with, with you first, oh Father. 
the more they go and, and grow in their relationship with you, God, the more they'll learn about you. And God, in return, you also give them wisdom and stature and favor with man. I pray prayer of blessing over them in their work and with their families, God's safety and, and health. God, I know that as we put you first in our life, that the Bible says, surely goodness, and follow, goodness will follow us all the days of our life. And that, God, we will dwell in the house of the Lord, not just for eternity, but even starting right now here on earth. So, God, we love you. We pray these things in your precious son's name, Jesus. Amen. Y'all have a great rest of your day, and uh, we'll see you back here next time.